Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Business Lens, broadcast on WKXL, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matt Robeson. I'm joined, as always, by Chris Hill, the host of Bali Fool Money, which is the number one stock investing radio show in America. Chris, how are you? I'm doing pretty well with the Boston Celtics heading to the Eastern Conference Finals. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm doing well. I I too am a Boston Celtics fan, as you know, and as you can tell from the T-shirt I'm wearing as we record this. You know, look for all of our uh, new subscribers who are a little surprised. That, Wait a second, I thought this was a politics show. It is. It is. This is in the Beyond Politics podcast feed. But as the title implies, we go beyond politics. Really interested in this show in some of the deeper trends, the deeper drivers, what else is going on in sort of the broader public policy, political, public affairs and news sphere. And that's why it's great to have this intersectional conversation that we have every couple of weeks with one of the top business podcasting and radio show hosts out there. And we talk about that kind of crossover. So look, let me just set the stage here. Obviously, anyone who's been paying any attention to the news knows that we are in a, an extended dip in the markets. We're not going to necessarily focus on that because by the time people listen to this, who knows, maybe that won't be going on anymore. What we are interested in, though, is some of the stuff going on underneath that, some of the counterintuitive stuff going on, sort of what's driving the reactions in the market. So I, I want to start with with one thing that you were pointing out to me before we got on the air, which is it's been kind of a big week for big retailers. What's going on with that? And why is that significant? Why is that something we should pay attention to? It's worth paying attention to because consumer behavior is what drives the American economy. And uh, so not to say that uh, business to business relationships aren't important. They are. Um, but it's people like you and me and, and all of your listeners who really drive the U.S. economy, which is why um, retail is something we always focus on uh, at The Motley Fool. Um, it's towards the end of earnings season, and uh, we've got Walmart and Home Depot out with their latest earnings reports later in the week. We're going to have reports from Target and Lowe's. And so, you know, right there, you've got four of the biggest retailers in America And what's interesting to see in the case of Walmart and Home Depot is kind of different results in terms of um, what's happening with their stocks on Tuesday. Uh, Walmart, which is a stock that never really moves dramatically one way or the other, Um, kind of surprising to see it down 10% at one point on Tuesday because they were struggling with inflation. and, And that's an experienced management team um, talking about inflation, it, 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 there were points where I, it almost seemed like they were caught off guard. Um, I don't think they are. And, and Doug McMillan, who's the CEO at Walmart, and his team have earned the benefit of the doubt. But no question, this has been a tough quarter 
uh, for Walmart, Home Depot was was kind of the opposite in a, in a ways. Um, they had really good profits in their quarter. They raised their guidance for the full fiscal year, which is a little surprising, um, given uh, the uncertainty in terms of supply chain, in terms of inflation, that sort of thing. But I think, Matt, one of the things it does point to is slightly different consumer bases for those mm. two businesses. Um, Walmart talked about how a lot of their customers were uh, spending more money on groceries, the essentials to run a home, and less on sort of impulse purchases. Uh, Home Depot, uh, not really the case. Obviously, they're not selling groceries at Home Depot. Um, But I, I think part of what Home Depot is benefiting from is the overall environment when it comes to residential real estate and housing. Um, It's been such a hot housing market for so long um, that you have a lot of people who have basically said, well, you know, I wanted to move, but I I wasn't able to. And so I'm just going to do some more home improvement. Um, I think that's going to continue for a while. So Um, uh, but but again, this is this is a big week uh, because when you just think about Walmart and Target, just those two companies alone, um, you can really get some insight into what are consumers actually doing with their money. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I, I want to pick up on that for just a second. I have sort of two questions and I, I'm going to throw them both at you at once and see if I can, um, you know, uh, hotwire your brain. One question is when you are talking about a rising price environment, high inflation, which we're in, I guess the first thing that comes up is, are we looking at just higher earnings because people are paying more nominal dollars for stuff right now? Um, Or are we talking about more profitability? Because obviously you hear a lot out of Washington. It's like, well, big corporations are just, you know, they're, they're just taking advantage of inflation to earn profits. And I'm not sure which, which story is embedded here. Actually, I'm going to pause there because the other question really might be a, a whole its own ball of wax. Let me let me hit you with that one first. So, in the case of Walmart, um, their their revenue, basically the amount of stuff they sold in the quarter, um, was good. It was higher than Wall Street was expecting, um, but they had to absorb some of those costs. There's only mm. so much um, that Walmart or really any business um, can choose to pass on to their customers in terms of costs. So uh, Walmart, uh, again, Doug McMillan, the CEO and his team, they were pretty clear about like, look, we hired a lot of people during the pandemic. Maybe we overhired. Um, so Walmart is a business that basically says to customers, this is a place where you're going to get good value for your money. So they can't really jack up prices. This Mm. is not a high-end luxury. This is not restoration hardware. Um, This is not a luxury business. So they really can't um, jack up those prices the way other businesses might be able to. Not to say that that Target, when they report their earnings, that they're going to really jack up prices, but it's it's, uh, maybe a slightly higher price point. Um, so I think that's sort of at odds with what uh, some people on Capitol Hill might be saying. Oh, it's interesting that they're absorbing a portion of this, uh, you know, of, of what might be supply chain driven you know, co- increases in costs that they're seeing on, on their end. Well, that gets to the other piece of this. Again, I'm sort of interested in the consumer 
behavior and mindset. There's, there's sort of a famous story in economics that during the Irish potato famine, as the price of potatoes went up, demand for potatoes went up, which is backwards. You think prices go up, demand, level of demand should go down. But the, what economists think happened was that, look, you got to feed your family. And if potatoes are sort of your base uh, food item, then it crowds out. As the price goes up, it crowds out your ability to buy other stuff. I thought I heard just a hint in what you were saying before of that kind of effect happening with, with basic consumer items right now. Are you, are you getting that, that sense that as we, as we face inflation, as prices for everything go higher, consumers are responding by focusing on more of the basics. And so, you know, we might expect as long as inflation is up, we might expect that effect to continue. I think that's absolutely the case, particularly um, at places like Walmart, Target, you could put Kohl's in there as well, um, where customers are a little more price sensitive. Again, it's all about, well, what is the promise that a business is making to a potential customer? In the case of Walmart, it's you're going to get good value for your money. People go in there, they're, they've got a budget they've got to stick to. So impulse purchases really take a hit when that happens. Um, and maybe it's putting off other purchases. Well, we'd like to buy um, this non-essential item, but we don't really need to. And so because we're looking at uh, our basket filled with groceries that are costing us on balance more than they did, say, six months ago, we're going to put those non-essentials aside. Right. It's a basic substitution effect. And speaking of which, you could also see a substitution between retailers. You could, you were talking before about the difference between a, you know, a Target and a Walmart, a Lowe's and a Home Depot. And obviously they they brand themselves differently. And some retailers out there, not necessarily that set, do go for more of an upscale brand. Others really try and identify themselves as you know, maximizing how far your dollar can go. It, you were suggesting to me earlier that one of the key things that you're going to be looking at in this economy from a business standpoint, but it's also, you know, just relevant for, for the overall state of the economy is which businesses can keep their customers in this environment. That that's something as a business analyst that's important to you because it is so hard relatively to acquire new customers. And right now, consumers are looking for where can they stretch their dollars a little bit further so what are the signs that you're looking for with that kind of uh, with that kind of a question so you and I have talked before Matt about uh, pricing power it's the thing that Warren Buffett says he loves to see more than almost any trait in a business the, a business's ability to methodically raise prices over time if they have that ability and can do that, uh, then that's probably a good business to uh, own a few shares of. And so uh, along those same lines, one of the things we look at at The Motley Fool is uh, switching costs. We like to see businesses with pricing power, but we also like to see businesses where the switching costs are high. So if mm. you think about it uh, from a business standpoint, you know, uh, um, maybe a business has a, a, a software license um, or whoever's doing their web hosting, that sort of thing. That's an involved process. That's not something you can easily switch out of. From a consumer standpoint, just folks like you and me and, and your listeners, um, you can think about it just in terms of 
something like um, a bank account, you know, it's kind of a pain in the butt to change your bank account. You can do it, um, but it takes some time. And so there's, there is a little bit of a switching cost there. Um, also with, with phones. I mean, that's one of the reasons Apple has been such a great business is the longer you own an iPhone, uh, the more you get in that ecosystem where you've got songs that you've downloaded off of Apple Music. Maybe you've started watching Ted Lasso and Apple TV and that sort of thing. So the longer you have that, the less likely you are when it's time to get a new phone to say, eh, I'm going to see what Samsung has, or I'm going to get an Android phone. Um, so those are situations where the switching costs are high. At the other end of the spectrum, something you and I have talked a lot about recently is the streaming services. Netflix, Disney Plus, HBO Max, these are fun services. Um, these are services that make it really easy to buy and really easy to cancel. And I think that, you know, from a, from a customer standpoint, that's great. Um, from a business standpoint, that's tricky because you, you really don't want people switching in and out of your business, what they refer to as churn. Churn tends to be pretty high when it comes to the video streaming services. So customers that um, have reasons to stick around, um, that's, you know, that's always better for a business. And to go back to the retailers we were talking about, um, you can just look at things like loyalty programs. Um, this is something that Starbucks, which is a business I love, it's, it's my largest individual stock holding. Starbucks was pretty slow to the game when it came to um, having a, a good loyalty program, but they've, they've done a better job of that over the past few years. But you look at companies that have um, any kind of loyalty program, rewards, discounts that they offer through an app, something like that. That that's one more thing that keeps people around. You know, everything you just said reminded me of three points, and I'm sure I'm going to Rick Perry this. By the time I give you my three points, I'm going to have forgotten the third one. <laughs> but um, you know, the first one is you reminded me in terms of how easy it is to cancel these streaming services that I wanted to show my daughter the movie Spaceballs. And I did, <laughs> I successfully did, which by the way, led to all three of my kids inappropriately for their age, shouting, keep firing blank holes all week. It was fantastic. It was great. Um, but you reminded me that in order to see that movie, I had to sign up for a new service. I can't even remember what service it is. And I passed the seven day deadline. Now I, now I have to cancel it. I'm sure I paid them some money. I've got to cancel it. You know, second of all, I, I, I just in terms of, just in terms of that churn question, I've already Rick Perryed it. I've already, I've already forgotten. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, the, the next movie I watched with my daughter was Ocean's Eleven. And I had to explain to her the business model of the casino. She was like, wait a second, casinos have restaurants? They have, they have museums inside them? Yes, because they want you to stay inside their ecosystem and keep going, keep going, because that's how they make their money. It is kind of the same thing with all of these businesses that they really want you to, to stay on board. And it's in that vein that I'm actually going to remember the third thing here. I'm very impressed with myself right now, which is you want to talk a little bit about Disney versus Netflix. Now, the big story in streaming of the last few weeks was Netflix took a major hit, lost like a third of its stock value because they lost subscribers. On the other hand, Disney surprised many on Wall Street by actually gaining subscribers to Disney+. Plus. So I guess I want to hit you with a whole bundle of questions here. One, what's going on with that? 
Two, should Netflix consider a loyalty program where the longer you stay on, the, the less they jack up your price? Um, I, I would appreciate that. That would, that would make me a lot less likely to drop Netflix, which is the most expensive of the streaming services. Um, so what's, what's going on? What are your thoughts? Well, it, let's stick with the pricing thing for a second, because that's something I'm a little surprised the streaming services have not done a better job of figuring out. Um, and I'm not picking on any one of them in particular. I, I, I don't really see. I won't tell any- them. It's okay. <laughs> I, I, it's, I it's, not like, it's not like thousands <laughs> and thousands of people are listening to us right now. I, I don't really see any streaming service that has done a great job of basically saying, because there is an incentive for them. If you just think about it where it's like, hey, we're going to, uh, this is a monthly subscription, which means that 12 times a year, you and I and every other customer is going to be reminded like, oh yeah, there's my bill. And maybe we don't think of it on our own, but we're going to be reminded 12 times a year, oh, I pay this monthly bill. Maybe I should think about canceling as opposed to an annual subscription where it's just once a year. It's one decision point. And I'm a little surprised that none of the streaming services have tested and and figured out like, okay, this is the value proposition we're going to offer. We get that people are going to uh, churn in and out of our services. So we want to reward people who are going to stick with us for a full year. And we want to essentially um, not punish, but basically say to people like, all right, you know, Apple, which has all the money in the world, by the way, they, they could probably just do their streaming service. For you know free. why? Because you're right. I don't want to give up my iPhone. I got captured by Apple a long time ago. And Steve Jobs kind of has my wallet locked somewhere in his vault. I mean, now that he's dead, um, you know, and and his heirs like own my wallet. Exactly. You know, so Apple It'll be interesting to see if, if when the, the third season of Ted Lasso comes out, if they say, hey, you know what? We're going to use this as an opportunity to say the monthly price is a little bit higher now. And the annual price for Apple Plus is going to be uh, lower on a per month basis. Uh, you know, it offers some sort of like, you know, 20% discount if you sign up for the full 12 months, that sort of thing. Um, so I, I, I really am surprised none of them have figured this out. Maybe it's coming. Uh, but we'll see. Wow, that would be, it really would be interesting. And I, I, I very much, it's so funny that before, when you said you like to weigh businesses by their ability to increase prices over time, the very first word that popped into my mind was Apple, because it's true. It's such a difference between like a streamer or, you know, one of these other services where entry and exit is just so easy. And to go back to Disney and Netflix, um, Netflix is in a little bit of a tough spot because uh, that monthly fee that they charge, that subscription fee, um, that's higher. That's substantially higher than what people are paying for Disney Plus or for Apple Plus, that sort of thing. So I think um, Disney gaining subscribers at a time when Netflix had a little bit of a net loss and projected that the next earnings report, which will come out in about two months or so, they're projecting another loss of total subscribers. Overall, the number of subscribers they have is greater than what Disney has. But I think it's encouraging that Disney was able to gain a few million subscribers. And they also have, uh, they're working off of a lower monthly fee. So they've got room to run in terms of methodically pushing up that price point as they build out their original 
content library. All right. So I want to pick up on that point because you've already given us a little tease about what you look for in terms of a long-term investment strategy. That's, you know, it's a great business model. It's like, I'm going to be able to charge my customers more. Smart does does seem like a, a road to profitability. As I alluded to at the top of the show, we are currently, as we record this, although these shows have a long shelf life, who knows where we'll be in a month. We're currently in a down market, but that doesn't mean that people aren't buying things and looking for opportunities. And you're apparently buying things right now. So do you want to give people a little insight into what you yourself, Chris Hill, are buying? Sure. Um, Peter Lynch, the, one of the best investors of the last 50 years or so, um, among his great lines about investing when it comes to stocks um, is sometimes uh, the best new idea, the best idea for new money is a stock that you already own. And when I look at my own portfolio, uh, when I was looking earlier this month, um, I saw shares of companies I own that are strong, stable businesses. Uh, and look, we've seen a lot of companies, their stock price has really gotten whacked over the past 12 months. It's been cut in half and more so. Um, but there, you know, some of those businesses are not yet profitable. Um, they're investing a lot. They're, they're growing uh, some of them will survive this downturn. Some of them will not. But uh, when I decided to add new money to my portfolio, I looked to, for the most part, businesses. It was 11 stocks. I already owned shares of all of them. Um, and so one thing I want your listeners to take away from this, Matt, is, look, it's understandable to think about stock investing in terms of excitement, in terms of, oh, I, you know, I want this to be fun. I don't want this to be boring. I don't, you know, and that shows up in the stocks that we buy. Sometimes we buy the, the upstart tech company that isn't profitable yet and does that thing that no one can really explain to you, um, as opposed to a business like Sherwin Williams, which makes paint. <laughs> um, but Sherwin Williams is one of the companies I bought more shares of, um, and for me, it was looking at these stable businesses where the stock price had been knocked down. And I have every confidence in the world that these are businesses that are not going away. Um, so businesses like Apple, Microsoft, Johnson & Johnson, Home Depot, Lowe's, uh, Sherwin-Williams, as I mentioned, um, you know, those were some of the stocks that I, I bought more shares of. Because again, these are, uh, look, we, we started this conversation talking about uh, shopping, right? Retail, going into Target, Walmart, that sort of thing. We love to go into a grocery store or a Target or a Walmart and see something on sale. But when we're investing, that, that instinct disappears from us for some reason. It's just like, oh, you know, and that's one of those things I had to work hard to fight against to see instead of saying, wait, why are my shares of Apple down? Instead saying, wait, this is a stock on sale. This is a great business. This is a highly profitable business. And this is a stock on sale. And I get to buy it at a lower price. That psychology is so weird. You're right. You're so right. I don't understand it. It's, it's that old joke about you see, you walk by a diner, you see a sign in the window, one egg, any style, $1.39, two eggs, any style, $1.69. And you think, 
what's wrong with the second egg? You see a discount and you're like, well, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a problem here, but it is an opportunity as well. If Sherwin-Williams steady plodding along performer in the market like that is being sold at a discount because the whole market's down, everyone's bummed out. So a lowering tide, I guess, lowers all ships. And it's like, hey, you know, I'm going to pay less for something that's going to be a good opportunity. I love the psychology of that. I, I also, I just have to remark on the fact that when you said a moment ago that when the third season of Ted Lasso comes out, that Apple might view that as an opportunity to jack up their prices. It's like a tremor in the force just happened. <laughs> it was like a million wallets suddenly cried out and were suddenly silenced and I fear something terrible has happened on, on planet Disney. I mean, that would be, that would be tragic. It would be, it would be really, really bad for me personally. That's, that's just me. Hey, I've got to get you out of here. I know you've got like, we got like one minute left. I just want to quickly touch on one other story. McDonald's is leaving Russia. They're leaving for obvious reasons. First time they've ever left a major market. Um, Just, just lightning round. Are you, are you keeping an eye on other country, uh, companies to see if they follow suit? Absolutely. Um, it, most of McDonald's locations around the world are franchised. Um, the majority of their locations in Russia were owned by the corporation. I think it was 80, 85% or so. So um, uh, smart decision by uh, McDonald's uh, represents, I don't know, 2% of their overall locations. Going to be interesting to see if Starbucks, Domino's, Burger King, and others uh, decide to follow suit. Something to keep an eye on very much so. All right. You've given us a ton to think about. Chris Hill, Motley Full Money, number one stock investing radio show in America. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. <laughs> 